from Relay FM. This is Downstream, a podcast about the present and future of streaming media. This is episode number 56, recorded November the 1st, 2023. I'm your master of ceremonies, Jason Snell. And with me, as always, is Julia Alexander, director of strategy at Parrot Analytics and a columnist at Puck.News. Hi, Julia. How are you doing? Hey, Jason. How are you? Happy post-Halloween. Yeah, right. The spooky season is is over. Or is it ever really over? <laughs> um, my, what's, Let me ask you, what's the best scary movie you watched during spooky season? Mm, that's a great question. You know, I didn't watch too many new ones. I think the best thing that's I okay. had was I, I got to show Kevin uh, Lost Boys for, the, for his first time. Oh, and so that was really fun. Yeah. How about you? No one will save you. I hear this is an amazing movie. It's good. It's real good. It, it you know, it's really good. Mm-hmm. I'd say the ending. Uh, they're trying to sell the ending as like a, the ending really makes you think, and I personally think the ending is we have we don't know how to get out of this. <laughs> but it doesn't matter because it's so well done. Before that, I, like I'll give it the ending. I'll be like, whatever movie, you were a great fun movie. So so I'll put that one in my um. In my in my list, along with um, last year, what was the Hulu movie that was the Predator movie? Um, oh, Prey. Yeah, that's that's that was last year's winner. I feel like Hulu's been having a good one. You know what I did see yesterday on Halloween? I forgot until we started talking about it. I did see um, Anatomy of a Fall, which was the French movie that won the Palme d'Or at Cannes this year. Uh, if you like legal dramas, it's and I mean oh, this wow. in the best way. It's incredible. It, like it is. Such a good the premise of the movie is that this man dies and there, it, then this courtroom drama kind of plays out about the relationship between this man and this woman and their son. And kind of you're left thinking, like, did she do it? Did she not do it? And but it's basically a legal drama. So highly recommend uh, if anyone is interested in French film and or legal, legal dramas or, or both. <laughs> yeah. What was the name again? Uh, Anatomy of a Fall. All right. Great. We'll put those in the list. Look, it's like a little mini uh, Jason and Julia recommend things segment. I love people, this. People enjoy those. Um, first real segment, I want to talk about Netflix. Little Netflix update. We talked about them a lot last time, but I want to talk about them again because uh, we got a little bit of news about Netflix that I think fits. It's like a perfect kind of downstream news story, which is... Netflix is building out its ad inventory. Last time we talked a lot about ad inventory and Netflix and other services and how one of the challenges of switching to an ad model is you do have to find, you have to build an ad platform and you have to find advertisers and you have to have data for them and all of those things. But a a thing that is happening now, Netflix has added title sponsors to their arsenal of things that they're going to sell. And if you're thinking like, Oh, sure. Jason's going to make a joke about the last season of The Crown brought to you by Crown Royal or whatever, right? Um, the last season of The Crown will have a title sponsor. They, they are going to do it. They're going to have final season of The Crown brought to you by whoever, as well as some of the reality shows they've sold already. But like, this is going to be a thing. If you're on the ad tier of Netflix, you're going to start to get presented by. And some of it will be PBS-like in the sense that it's going to be, I think they're going to I assume the part of the deal here is they're going to be the premier sponsor if they're if not every ad from vendor X in the crown. And it might be every ad. Mm-hmm. But if it's not every ad, it'll be like the pre-roll will be, oh, the crown is brought to you by so and so. And maybe the mid rolls that they drop in will also be for so and so. It might even be an exclusive deal. I, that part I don't know. But like this is a way. Honestly, this is how you start to build up ad inventory that is 
premium, right? That you're you're paying extra in order to capture the viewers of a particular show. And they're like, that's a really good tool for salespeople. And here we are, like a year plus after we would have said that this would never happen on Netflix, talking about Netflix building out its ad tools. But I think this is a really in- interesting thing. And if you're on the ad tier, you're going to start to see um, not only title sponsors, but a new binge ad sort of system where like if you're binging, yeah. they will they'll like say, um, hey, you seem to be binging. Um, we're going to let if you watch another one, it's on advertiser right the advertiser will say thank you the next one is presented without interruption so they're doing some sort of like how do we sell into a binge watch and things like that it's just really interesting isn't it i think it's finally amazing that netflix is using its technology or its its creative powers to actually do something interesting with with advertising the other thing i'll add but before i say that i think we just need to give a round of applause to jason because if you just pulled the crown presented by crown royal out of the yeah, air that was that amazing that <laughs> I was, was just like, trying to think, what would it be what else would it be king something queen something uh, that's the best i could do I don't that, know. It, it was no it was honestly i was i was like it was like if netflix isn't doing that they should do that and you should get uh, like a finder's fee right. but uh <laughs> but uh, here's the thing about netflix and, and ads which we need to be talking about so they announced that there are now 15 million monthly active users on the ad supported plan Rem- a reminder that the ad supported plan is in 12 territories 12 countries as of right now um they're looking to expand it into more the issue with the Netflix ad conundrum is that most advertisers want to be on Netflix because of three factors. One, the reach of Netflix has got the largest base right. out of any premium SVOD. Two, the age of Netflix is pretty young and pretty split between male and female. So you're reaching a pretty strong demographic. And three, the quality of content and the type of content that you're getting on Netflix um, is but stronger than what you might be getting on broadcast, even though the reach is a little bit higher, whatever it might be. Disney's Philly franchise heavy. Max is kind of the uh, Max Paramount uh, Peacock, kind of the closest to Netflix, but on the scale. The thing is, though, that even if we look at those 15 monthly, uh, 15 million monthly active users, which is a strong improvement from the 5 million they reported in May during ad week, right? So it's just a strong improvement. Um, we have to remember, remember that that's not much. So if the advertisers are paying, you know, these $65, $70 CPM rates, these really high rates, to put that into perspective, 65 70 CPM, so it kind of costs per thousand impressions that are uh, that are being charged by Netflix. Um, Hulu is kind of sitting around 35 40 so it's double what you're getting on Hulu. I've heard from people that that's almost triple what you're getting on some broad, uh, broadcasters and some, some basic cable. And so it's a really expensive rate, but you're not getting access to all of the Netflix subscribers. You're getting access to a very small portion of them. And so what I think Netflix has very logically come to understand and the best way they can combat this is saying we understand that you want to be on the series that most people on the ad supported here are coming to love is blind the crown you want to be on these really big shows the vast majority of these audiences are like uh, within those 15 million monthly active users are probably going to be tuning into these shows once they come out because they have such a high base reminder that um, love is blind was the eighth most streamed original um in 2022 according to nielsen and so instead of saying why don't you give us a budget? We'll take your, uh, or why, yeah, why don't you give us a budget? We'll take your ads. We'll place them across a bunch of different TV shows. They're saying, no, you can just present the crown. 
You can, I think Frito's Lays is presenting Love is Blind. And I think it's really smart. And I think if you're an advertiser, that's where you're going to get the most out of your dollar anyways. And so until we get to a point where critical mass is achieved on the advertisement side, the best you can do is offer your top quality content that you know, or or, or top, you know, engaged with content that you know that the advertisers are really going to want to spend on because you don't want to piss off the advertisers, which we had many reports earlier this summer suggesting. And so I think if you're Netflix because you theoretically have all these things, but you really don't, you have to get creative with how you're going to partner with your your advertising partners. And so I think this is a really strong moment for them. I think it's a great foray into advertising. And I think this is where it'll feel in, in much in the way that we equate the binge model to Netflix. I think this advertising will feel very Netflixy, and you know, mm-hmm. in the next year or two, as all these other companies start to really bring their advertising tier to fruition as well. Well, yeah, and you're going to see experimentation. There's there's some letters we'll get to at the end that include questions about this. I think I think generally we would all agree that um, ads in streaming right now are not the experience is not that great. Like it varies, but it's still it's not that great. It's certainly not as wired as you'd see on broadcast where they right. have had, uh, you know, 70 years to get it right. Uh, it's going to get better. And and what I found in this report, which actually um, stems from a post that they did called One Year Into Netflix Ads on the Netflix blog. Um, so there you go. It's a year in that they are already learning, um, presumably from the people they've brought in to sell, as well as from their potential clients who right. have specific interests, right? The clients always come. I mean, I was, I'm all, I've always been an editorial person, but for, for many years I worked alongside sales teams because I was the editor-in-chief, right? So I was like the, the wall. I was on the wall there. And so got to see how an ad-driven business works. And like, they will come in with ideas too. You're trying to build products that, to your point, are going to reach the right people. And those are the products that w- they want to buy. And yeah, you can charge way more to be the title sponsor of the crown than you can be to say, I would like some impressions, right? Like right. it's not, it's like night and day. You cannot, you can't like, there's a value in that. And Google made their entire business on the, like, you don't know who they are, but trust me, you'll get impressions. Uh, but the, what you want to do as a salesperson and as Netflix is create products that are like way better than that, that are nicer and that make everybody feel good and let those brands go out there and proudly say like, we are the title sponsor. We are presenting yeah. the crown because it makes them, it may not only is it good for business, but it makes them kind of feel special and well, like think- that's powerful. Yeah, yeah. And I think, too, just adding on what you're saying, Jason, there is a component of each platform really needs to lean into what they've always excelled at. And so if you look at what the role and therefore how the technology is designed around ads on Prime Video, a lot of it is like, can you purchase directly from your screen? Can you ask Alexa to purchase? Can you easily bring this over to Prime? If you look at how YouTube feels their ads for the most part feel very controllable, right? Like YouTube was the one to master the five second pre-roll and then you could skip the ad. Like like the way that they were like, we understand that you know this is a necessary evil, but how can we make this as least jarring as possible to ensure that you're really engaging with the accounts as much as you are? And if you think about how the industry reacted to that, Think of how many trailers now come with the five second pre-trailer in the trailer because they know it's playing on YouTube. They know that there's an audience that's going to skip right after that five second. And so it completely changed the artistry, the commerce factor and the technology around how trailers and commercials are designed. And so if we look at Netflix, you know, you're talking to, first of all, a consumer base who has been told that they can access 
really great television and films without advertisement, right? So they've kind of moved away from the system. They're cord cutters or cord nevers even. And so now you're saying, well, we would actually like you if you don't want to spend $30 a month. I'm making, that's an exaggerated number, but eventually $30 a month on Netflix, you know, you can get this for eight bucks and you have to deal with ads. How do you make those ads feel much more integrated into the experience? How does you make it feel like it it's Netflixy in a way that does not just completely leave a consumer feeling you know, kind of jarred by what just happened. And so I think when we look at the overall goal of the of the platform, we then look at the technology that dictates how those ads are really brought across. And I think that's where Netflix has the advantage because they can, or has an advantage because they can really bring it into their storytelling a little bit. And I, and I expect Disney will follow suit. I expect, you know, Paramount and, and Peacock are, are definitely far ahead on this because they're ad run businesses first and foremost. And so they, Peacock has been doing a bunch of the stuff for, for like for the last two years and they've, they're really well ahead with the ad technology. We don't talk about it a lot, but they're, they're super far advanced with it compared to its competitors. Um, you know, Hulu will kind of look a little bit more like Netflix more than it already has. And so I think I noted the piece yesterday that we're kind of in this moment of following the leader. Um, and so it's Netflix. And so Netflix does something. And then we see how Wall Street reacts. And then we see how the other companies kind of follow suit or based on how the reaction is. And so if Netflix starts this, which Peacock and Hulu have also been doing aspects of Prime Video's done aspects of, but haven't really leaned into it fully, I suspect you'll see a lot more companies coming with it. The question I have is whether Netflix uses its own technology and its own teams to build it or through that Microsoft partnership If the, is the idea that Microsoft is going to take on the ad tech side and building that technology. And, and from what I hear from different people in the industry, Netflix isn't super pleased with Microsoft, uh, not not in terms of their relationship, but in terms of like what I think they were trying to get out of it. There's been many reports about this. And so I do wonder at which point Netflix needed Microsoft to get off the ground running and at the speed of which they did with their ad tier, which was six months of development, which is truly impressive um, to kind of being on their own and saying, we're going to hire a dedicated team to really build up the ad tech in, in a Netflix way. And I'm not sure how long they work with an outsourced partner versus decide to, OK, we're going to invest in it ourselves. So I'm actually going to pull out of our letter segment and just put it here because this is just fits perfectly. This is from Dave, who says, it seems the services are largely attempting to move viewers toward ad supported options. Unfortunately, ad experience on almost every platform is horrendous. The ads are gratingly repetitive, inserted willy nilly, especially during feature films. They sometimes are inserted mid scene or even mid sentence with no regard to narrative flow. Ultimately, the experience is bad enough to send savvier viewers back to piracy. What is being done to improve the experience? So I wanted to say this here because because I think Dave makes a really good point mm-hmm. um, that he may not even be realizing he's making, but I think is important when we talk about the evolution of this, which is step one is they're putting ads in these things. Step two is for the companies that are not currently thinking about ads when they do their content, they're going to start thinking about ads when doing their content. And like I said, when I was talking about broadcast, like broadcast is much more sophisticated about ad placement in if you if you're trying to keep people on an ad tier and not drive them like YouTube, I would argue, is aggressively trying to drive people to YouTube premium. Right. Right. They 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 insert ads all over the place and it's frustrating. They want you to be frustrated because they want you to buy YouTube premium and not see the ads anymore. That's what right. they want. But Netflix doesn't want you to do that. So Netflix wants it to be a really good experience. Um, if you watched. Uh, if you're watching any show that comes from broadcast from a commercial network, it's got ad breaks and they can put them in the ad breaks. If you watch Paramount Plus, which always had an ad tier, 
it always has ad breaks. There are always ad breaks, or, or they were selling it to companies, to, to broadcasters that had ads. Every piece of content is built with, with ad breaks in it. That's going to happen on Netflix, right? And you might not notice it because it might, they might be an alternate version with a fade out. It might be just right on the scene breaks, but Netflix will get way better at that over time because they want it to be a good experience. They don't want it to be an obnoxious ad break. They'll want it to be something different. So you might see different versions. Like there's a show that I really love um, on Channel 4 in the UK called Taskmaster. And they, they build two versions of that. The, the the TV version, they say, all right, that's the end of part one. Come back after the ads for part two. Um, their streaming version just doesn't do that. It just keeps going because they, they have a, a no ad streaming service. So like that's I think I think to answer Dave's point, at least from my perspective, is it's real bad now, but every aspect that you're describing will get better. Even the feature film thing, which is always a problem because feature films don't have ad breaks in them um, for, for theatrical releases. I would imagine that they will be better about choosing where the breaks are. They will have the technology to choose those breaks better at scene breaks. And that, you know, what do they do on TV? They do fade outs. They, they, they do some timing things where they slow it down a little and do a fade out and, or, 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 or are supplied by the yep. studio, a TV version that they've made changes to. And they've, they've taken a lengthened scene in order to be able to do the fades or whatever. Like that's going to be supplied by uh, the studio in a lot of cases. And if it's a Netflix movie, Netflix, yeah, is going to build ad breaks into their movies. That's so it'll get there. And it's because Netflix wants you to have a good experience. I know people hate ads or some people hate ads, but like they, they at least want it to be tolerable in a way uh, that YouTube doesn't, <laughs> but, but most people do. So it'll be, it'll get better, I guess is what I'm saying to Dave. Yeah. And, and I also think to add on to what Jason's saying about getting better, a big part of that too is Netflix's original shows prior to 2020 to late 2022 would have been designed with no ads in mind. Exactly. If we think about how network advertising has de had developed over the last 40, 50 years, think about how ads used to look, um, you know, in the 1960s to the 1990s. And then really you see a lot of advertisers come in and, and um, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about, where the, the show is quote unquote sponsored by a Toyota. And it's not that you just see Toyota ads, but they are the, the, the episode maybe centers around a family buying a car. And right. so they're talking about Toyota a lot, right? So there's really creative aspects from the, the advertising industry is, if nothing else, extremely creative and ingenious with how they want to get across the idea of impact. And you also have to look at, you know, what is the point of why these these certain um, advertisers are working with Netflix, right? There's this idea of we are trying to sell a product. That's one form of advertising. There's also brand advertising. There's yeah. also can we just reiterate to a young Netflix audience that maybe Microsoft or maybe uh, Nike's already cool. Adidas is like a really cool brand. Like we're trying to really use the space so that they equate cool brand like Fritos Lays with cool TV show that they like. And so they're is a bunch of different opportunities for Netflix to go out and say, what are you trying to accomplish by being on our platform with our direct audience who are not necessarily watching linear television, who are not necessarily going to theaters as much, um, who are spending all their time looking at digital ads that are hyper-targeted on YouTube and Instagram and TikTok. And so what are you not getting on those platforms that you are going to get on this platform? And how can we work together on that with both our shows and our technology? And I think what you see happening with the ad tech, with the ad tech and the creativeness of the advertising side of Netflix over the next 
18 to 24 months will be really interesting. Yeah, it's all it's going to evolve. And I'm sure the edict went out a year ago to everybody producing a Netflix show saying you're we expect you to do an ad break version like right. That's that's already undoubtedly happened because once you have ads, you want to build in the ad breaks. That's just how it goes. The other fun thing that that Jason and I talked about, I think on the last podcast or the one before it, time's a flat circle. I don't know what date mm-hmm. is. Yeah. Um, it's the day after Halloween. Oh, was it November? I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. But, but um, you know, curious for people's thoughts on this. Eventually, Netflix's premium tier, as it continues to increase that price, so not the standard tier, not the ad supported tier, but the premium tier, as it continues to really increase in that price for that select group of customers that are kind of Netflix diehards. They're going to have to start offering more on that than they currently are to to justify the reason for having beyond the like four screens, you know, uh, Ultra HD, whatever it might be, 4K streaming. So I'm curious because Jason and I talked about it. I wonder what our listeners think Netflix should be adding to that premium tier. Is it exclusive programming? Is it exclusive games? Is it tickets to Stranger Things, the musical, right? Like, like what, what do you think? that could look like and i'll give you a hint because i don't have many answers but think about what disney does with its ecosystem right. downstream you'll kind of get to where netflix is going downstreamfeedback.com let us yeah. know we'll do it next time okay i want to move on but uh i need to tell you about our sponsor we don't actually have a sponsor this week uh we do for a lot of weeks which is awesome but if you're hearing this, you are hearing the free version of Downstream, which we make available, and it's great. This episode's a little bit shorter um, for Downstream uh, people who are not Downstream Plus subscribers. So really, this is an ad for Downstream Plus. I just wanted to tell you, if you want to support us, especially when we don't... Like, the ads are nice, but they're not really keeping the lights on. If you'd like to support us and uh, and and this show so it keeps going on, uh, we'd love for you to support us. Downstream.plus is where you need to go. Uh, and what do you get? You get full episodes every episode instead of every other episode. This is one of the truncated episodes. You're going to miss a bunch of the stuff we talk about in this episode. And also no ads like this one. We cut those ads out. It's like our own little tier. It's our Downstream Plus tier. That's literally what we're doing here. Um, we really would appreciate it. That Those are your benefits. Plus, you're a Relay FM member at that point, so you get access to the Discord, which is actually very cool. And there's a bunch of bonus podcast episodes that uh, are available for Relay FM members. So uh, check it out. Uh, please consider supporting us. We appreciate it. Downstream.plus to learn more. Okay, let's move on to some quick letters before we go. I've got a, a couple here. This is from Eric. I'd love to hear your thoughts on a la carte customizable ad tiers. Imagine a sliding scale. On one side, there's the ultra price sensitive, those unbothered by ads. On the other is people willing to pay perhaps a lot not to be interrupted. In between would be options for which types or numbers of ads you would like to see and your price adjusts accordingly. I would love to make my own balance between price and ad tolerance. Love to your mothers. Thanks, Eric. Um, First thing that strikes me about this question, Julia, is the complexity of it, right? Like having to pick from a menu of like, what sort of ad options do you want? The more complex your offerings, the worse it is, right? They want to keep it simple. However, I do wonder if at some point we're going to end up with kind of like a middle phase where... They they could say like reduced interruptions, a thing where like Netflix, you pay a little more to Netflix and you don't get mid rolls, but you still get pre rolls or something like that. I don't think it's very likely, but um, not impossible. What do you think? I think what becomes an issue is selling that to advertisers. So how many um, right. estimated 
customers are you going to have on the no end? So no ad tier, so they don't really care versus the high ad end versus the middle end. And then specifically within that, what are the different demos of those? Right. Um, what is the type of impact that you're going to have on those specific demos? what's the type of, are are you customizing for those different demos? And so I don't necessarily think it is a bad idea by any means. I think it's a really innovative idea and this industry could use some innovation. I do think there are some problems with it that are governed by Madison Avenue, which is a much tougher um, uh, audience than even entertainment to to really make things happen. So, so I've got a, I've got a I've got a thing that is one of these things where I think might happen and I don't like that I thought of it but I thought of it which is think about Netflix having their ad tier and their regular tier and their premium tier. I, I, this is not what Eric was asking quite but I I think it could happen is we talked at the very top of the show about title sponsors and things like that. I don't think it's impossible that eventually the middle tier of Netflix will have sponsors in it. There'll be title sponsors. There'll be PBS-like, brought to you by, 30-second. Like, well, I, I get I have PBS Passport, and I can't watch an episode of All Creatures Great and Small without the guy from Viking Cruise Lines telling me about how great cruising is, right? And that's ad-free, except there's a pre-roll ad. So I could see a scenario where the base model Netflix is the one full of mid-rolls and stuff. The regular Netflix still has some advertising in it but it's really light but it's still there which means you can sell to a much larger audience of of people and then the premium one one of its features is there's none of that i could see that happening eventually yeah that i mean that would be very cool i think i think this industry is ripe for innovation so i'm hoping that something like that happens all right this one is from liam uh liam says while i despise seeing pre-roll ads Uh, or promotions on my ad-free Paramount Plus plan. Me too. I'm starting to question the wisdom of these ads too. Every time I watch a new episode of Star Trek Lower Decks, I now get a pre-roll promotion for a Korean show about crime and organ harvesting. Are they really targeting the right demographic with some of these ads? I doubt they're matching against my viewing habits as I only watch Star Trek and the Champions League. How is this benefiting Paramount? Feels to me like this goes back to our previous comment about how this stuff's all going to get better. But I agree. I have these moments where it feels like they've got nothing to promote. So they're just going to shove whatever they have to promote in my face, even if it is totally irrelevant to me. And I hate it. But presumably they'll get their algorithms will be better and they'll try to be showing me something that I want to see. But this is a great example of like, I don't I don't want to see the organ harvesting show. Why are you showing that to me at all? Yeah, I I mean, just adding quickly to Jason's point, it it will get better. And I think they also have potential originals that they're trying to get across. And so they're thinking we have the space for it. We might not have um, ads for those slots or we we don't know what it might be. So we're taking advantage of this opportunity to kind of showcase it. And so there might be a lot of decisions behind the scenes, but eventually it'll get better. The ad inventory will get stronger. The targeting will get much better uh, and then it will feel like less of an intrusion. But until then, we're just going to have to kind of bear and grin it for a minute. Okay. That brings us to the end of this episode. If you have a question for us, uh, we love to hear from you. Downstreamfeedback.com. Love to your mothers. We love to hear from you. If you are um, not a Downstream Plus subscriber, you missed a lot of great stuff in this episode. We talked about Apple canceling Jon Stewart, raising its prices. We talked about YouTube trying to create a news source. We talked about Jason Kalar having big thoughts about Hollywood. Um, that's because every other episode, most of the show is available just for supporters. So go to Downstream.plus. You'll get full versions of every episode. 
access to the Relay FM Discord, bonus shows from Relay FM, and a lot more. You can find Julia at parrotanalytics.com and puck.news. You can find me at sixcolors.com and on many other podcasts at Relay and theincomparable.com. But that brings us to the end. Until next time, Julia, say goodbye. Bye, everyone. Happy post-Halloween. <laughs> goodbye. Less spooky season. Yay! <laughs>